it's time for the Film Crickets with Jay Fortier and Chris Martino. On this week's episode number 29, Jay, Chris, and their special guest, Boston radio legend and host of the Retro Pop Reunion, Joe Cortez, review the 1985 American science fiction film, Back to the Future. But does it stand the test of time? Let's find out your Film Crickets are on now. Hey friends, my name is Jay Fortier. I'm along with my good friend, Chris Martineau. And we are the Film Crickets. And what we do is we take a movie from 1980 to 1999, randomly generated usually, and we pick a number between 1 and 50 and whatever number that comes up with that represents the box office. And we end up watching whatever number that is for the box office for that year, providing we can actually rent it or see it. And I have a feeling... Because of our special guest today, he picked Back to the Future. Uh, so I have a feeling we had no problem renting such a film. But uh, I, w- I do want to introduce. <laughs> I do want to introduce our guest. He is on uh, Magic One Hundred Six Point Seven and host of an awesome, awesome show called The Retro Pop Reunion. Thanks it for having Joe me, guys. Cortez. This is cool. This is fantastic. Thanks for spending the evening with us, Joe. That's fantastic. That's great. Uh, I'm excited. Great. I, I am too. I've never, I could be honest. This is my virgin trip through a podcast. Really? I have produced them. I've listened to them, but wow. I've never been on or done. Well, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be interesting. So, so we chose, so you're responsible for back to the future as the choice. Is that, is that the general idea, Joe? Yeah. When I, when I said, you know, I did not believe it or not see a lot of movies in the eighties. Cause I worked nights. Okay. And that, it took. I didn't see a full episode of Cheers till the the farewell show. So I kind of pick up these bits and pieces. I know a lot of people mm. that have worked on a lot of these movies and different tidbits behind the scenes and and things like that. But I'm bad when it comes to watching movies. My wife would back me up because I'm looking at the shot and I'm looking at the angle mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out how they did this and how they wrote that in and what. Was it edited, you know, someone's hair mm-hmm. or just, you know, something I I'm so into the production of the film. I don't sit there and watch the movie, <laughs> which is unfortunate if you're my wife, because <laughs> he's always all over me. <laughs> yeah. But I've been a, I've been a fan of Spielberg's though for years and how he does things. And mm-hmm. some of his stuff has just been incredible that some of the backstories on it from, you know, E.T. to Schindler's list two extreme films brilliantly done so i went with back to the future because i think it's i mean it's a franchise it's not even a movie it just incredibly keeps on i don't know joe does it really hold up over time i'm not i'm not sold no it does for the next we're done with it but the next generation i mean last year back (laughs) to the future in drive-ins grossed like I believe it was 40 or $50 million because mm-hmm. the next generation of kids wants to I'll see I'll do it. my way back on this. So being nice. a, a last child of three, youngest, usually That's by awesome. myself a lot, or at my grandmother's house, we're the first home to have a, a pop-up VCR, you know, when they used to load from the top. And um, my, my grandmother, who has passed, but my grandmother was a video pirate. So she was the first one on the block, not to have one, but to have four VCRs in her home. And she would go rent and dub into from one VCR into the other. One rolling in one room, one rolling in the other. Now, technically, my grandmother. Now, technically, (laughs) the the FBI warning would come up. I'm like, oh, that's ma'am. But she was always very paranoid. But but they really she's not really a pirate because she didn't sell anything. She just dubbed it. That's a, a crime if you sell it. But if you keep it to yourself, it's not as much of a crime. So anyway, so all of my video history were dub tapes with the stickers on the side with handwritten titles. And it's because my grandmother, all the titles are written like wrong. You know what I mean? It's like any which way you can and loose, like that yeah. sort of thing. So, but uh, the first video, what? <laughs> my, wait, what, Jay? I just have yep. to stop just, just for a second. I, and hold on to that thought. Uh, my favorite was the videotape that said stop or my mom will kill you that's right right. what was that stop it was my (laughs) grandmother okay so she's a little old right she she passed last year 95 right um always a hellion always a whipsnapper and she really liked though no one else did she really liked the movie stop or my mom will shoot the steven the uh sylvester stallone comedy vehicle with the woman from the golden girls 
Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty. Oh, I forgot all about that yeah. movie. Stop or my mom will shoot, but she made a dub version of it. And on the side of the video, it said, stop or my mom will kill you. <laughs> and Jay and I go way back and I, I showed it to him. We lost our minds. So anyway, but so just give you an idea. This movie, I saw this movie in the theater when it came out. My head exploded when it came out because I was it's, it was right up my alley for reasons we're going to discuss. But it was the first video I actually had that was the real one, the box. And you know, back in the eighties, eighty six, how much did it go for? Forty bucks, fifty. Oh God, fifty bucks. I don't. When I I know when e, when E T came out on video cassette, but that was one of the first ones, wasn't yeah, it? Uh, I believe. No, we just had to wait for that one. Yep. Yeah, Spielberg got five dollars for every one of those video cassettes <gasps> that was sold. Oh my goodness. That's like yeah. Bill Gates money. Oh my god. Exactly. That's I think crazy. I I think it went for about twenty-five or thirty dollars when it came out. Yeah. So you're you're right in that neighborhood. Yeah. First when those videos first came out, they were no, not I, cheap by 80s. Yeah, money. I unwrapped that video and I can I can still I can smell the cardboard and I can <laughs> I can smell the plastic coming out because I cherished it because it was like my first legit movie. You know what I mean? That wasn't dubbed. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. So, yeah, I wore the tape out on Back to the Future. I mean, no doubt about yeah. it. Tipping my hand here, but I think I'm in I'm in the same boat as a lot of people. So, well, you know, not to get sidetracked, but mm-hmm. a lot of guys that worked in radio back in the day, and even today will say when they saw American Graffiti, mm-hmm. if something tripped. Mm-hmm. And Back to the Future, for a lot of people, I mean, well, Michael J. Fox was really, he was super hot at the time on TV mm-hmm. and he wasn't the first choice. Spielberg wanted a rock star. You probably right. heard this story. He picked Corey Hart, <laughs> who was big with sunglasses. Oh, at that's night, right. And he wanted him to be in the movie. And Corey Hart says, I- I'm not an actor. I can't do this. Michael J. Fox was like the second or third choice. I believe he burned the candle at both ends. His schedule between shooting. What was the TV show? He was family in? ties, family with, ties, uh, family. He was, yeah, he was doing that. He would nap on the way to the studio, mm-hmm. jump back into makeup, and they would shoot over and over again. But he wanted that role really bad. And, and Joe, you mentioned that, and and I didn't know that story till way after. But then once I heard that, because it was, I think it was on VH1 or something. I forget what it was, some documentary. And they, yeah, they had pictures of him in the back of a station wagon sleeping on the way from Family Ties to Back to the Future. And if you realize, most of Back to the Future is a night shoot. Yes. Because You're he was right. doing family ties during the day. Like every now and then there's like two or three day scenes, but they're all night shoots. How freaking it's probably mis- about 80% at yeah. night. You're How right. miserable is that as an actor? Like night you shoots know, all after you worked all day. That's terrible. <laughs> when you're doing films and TV at the same time, and yeah. people don't realize what radio is great. We can do this and just pump it out. But mm-hmm. in movies, it's shot after shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, the things that go... What goes in, I did an episode, I was in briefly in Spencer for Hire. Do you remember that show? Oh, yeah. With the guy the from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> exactly. The yeah. building that, that um, uh, Intercom recently becoming, Odyssey is a company. Our stations are in the building, the old TV38 building in Boston, mm-hmm. yep. which, if you look, is the police station on Spencer for Hire. Okay. So I was in I was in a scene with that Joe Martell I worked with was very close with Robert Ure. He goes, Come on down, we'll get you in a scene. Well, it was a scene where a woman would walk by in a baby carriage and I got out of a taxi. We did that. It took three hours to do that scene. <laughs> the birds went the wrong way. A fire truck went by. Yeah. So when you, my point is when you're doing a, a movie or even a TV show, it's hours. It's agony. It's do it again, do it again. Mm-hmm. Radio's fast, but movies take lots of time. So you're right. The mm-hmm. agonizing schedule of a TV series, and you got to know your lines, and you got to work well with your partner. And, and what people forget, and, I, and from what in what I know of theater, because I briefly did theater, is that you have to do you, or if you're recording something like that, you've got to be first time every time. So if yes. you're doing a scene, it's first time every time, twelve times in a row. And now we know why Shelley Duvall lost her mind on The Shining because Kubrick made her do the same scene like a hundred times because she wasn't yes. getting just because he's Kubrick. 
And of course, she lost her mind because it's first time every time if you're a I'm professional. Trying to keep it fresh. Yeah, but and you can't. It's impossible. Like, that's hard. So they earn their and money, then, man. And then after the shoot all day, mm-hmm. you got to go back to wherever you're saying and you got to study your lines. Mm-hmm. You know, the last thing you want to do is start looking at a script at 11 o'clock at night with mm-hmm. takeout and mm-hmm. you got to look good the next morning. You're in makeup by five o'clock. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, you know, they make lots of money, but they yeah, earn it. There's no doubt about it. Well, I think I, he was so young. Uh, and I think that he was very, very energetic yes. about the, he was pumped about the idea. So it, I think that fueled him. Yeah. At that age, we everybody thinks we can go through a wall, you know, a brick wall. You've got that, that energy, which it, the three of us don't have right now. Is, is, <laughs> that's for certain. Um, isn't there a part of it too, like, it's that that mantra of, oh yeah, I've got the energy. If I do this now, I am safe. If I can do both of these things right now, if I can burn it, like you said, Candle at both ends. Now I'll be good forever. And that's maybe, a good point. You know what I mean? Like, let's just get it out of the way now. Cause I don't think he did that after that. <laughs> like there's no, no reason no. to do that after that. Right? No, he did. Well, there was three sequels after that. I know, but he, he did, but I'm saying he didn't do a TV show at the same time. He's, he was smart enough to realize, and it, it's so sad to see him now oh. because of mm-hmm. what he's going through. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's been a great spokesman for Parkinson's. He, you know, he's a genuine person to your point. I think he really knew I'm hot now. I got to, I got to strike it while it's hot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not up to my greatest hits package and then I'm gone. Right. And you got this vehicle, this thing that, that we're, you know, we're going to discuss is, is in my, is flawless. Um, It's not the best movie ever. It's not my favorite movie, but it's, no. you, you can't, it's flawless. I mean, I've seen documentaries on this movie that, that break down the story and how it unfolds and how it generally and it's scene for scene, shot for shot. And it's just it's you can't make a better movie than this movie. Like they it's did. They, Spielberg. Yeah, they it literally really did not make any errors in the storytelling framework of the film, which is why obviously, not, you know, sorry. Spoiler alert. It holds up. Uh, roll credit. I don't know. Uh, the special effects, uh, yeah, uh, they don't uh, make fun of Libyans. That's not really kosher anymore. No, you couldn't do that anymore. Not today. No, no. There, no. There, I think there. The, I recently, and you might have seen this in the documentary, the time machine for Back to the Future was last minute put in as the yeah. DeLorean. Mm-hmm. They were going to use a refrigerator. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and they I'll... pulled out of it because they thought, well, kids are going to be closing themselves in a refrigerator, which is very dangerous. We all wait for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull to ruin refrigerators for everybody. Not this movie. (laughs) Exactly. It it just keeps the movie. I mean, younger kids last summer was an example because I mean, retro worked for for everything and drive-in theaters during the the peak of COVID for people to get out. But the next, you know, the breakfast club, pretty in pink, those movies draw a parallel to, teenage adolescents mm-hmm. kids are kids and they can relate to it whether they got if they have a screen in their face 24 7 or not mm-hmm. sure and back to the future has been turned on to a whole new generation mm-hmm. of fans so now that you've said that this is something jay and i were just talking about before you got on so i think this is worth to bring up some let's let's talk about i want to get into the movie let's unpack some of this movie here uh because the goal what i think and jay and i were talking i don't think it's a matter of whether it holds up let's see what questions we can raise about this film right so so Jay, weren't we just talking about this with with kids um, before what before we say? came on? Oh well, well with uh, with angles of like you know uh, not telling your kids what you yeah. do back you know so so, oh, so yeah. generally look here's the here's the vibe of the movie right we got Michael J Fox it's got this it's got this theme if we have Michael J Fox in the eighties right we're encapsulating the eighties very well right there's a lot of pop collars in this movie. All right. Yes. There's a there's 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 Martin McFly's awesome life jacket vest that luckily no one wears again. Hey, you know what's really good if you're cold? Wear a nice jacket with no sleeves. Um, what's that about? So <laughs> hey, we're big. Oh I my know. God, I know. Oh, we stupid. Let's you know <laughs> exactly. what? Jeans and suspenders. Why not? Because when people can just come snap on them. So here's the deal. The eight this this movie has that vibe that Stranger Things kind of latched onto is that the kids, the parents never know where their children are. They leave the house during the day, and at some point later on, they come back, which is a far cry from what happens nowadays, because now we're always texting, where are you? Texting, phone, we can always get your kids. But back in the day, you left in the morning, 
and you came back when the streetlights came on and no one thought the wiser, right? So we, Mm -hmm. Marty McFly's parents, like we meet them, obviously we get some, we get, we're informed about Marty's, you know, his, his lack of confidence from his dad and, and all the stuff about his mom and all that stuff. But, but he leaves in the beginning of the day and he goes in and hangs out with some weird old guy. And no one questions anything, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, write that into a film today. So, so let me ask you, Joe, if, if you got any insight in this, why, where did Doc Brown come from? Do you have any info on that? Like, no, I, and that that's kind of remained a mystery in that movie. Where mm-hmm. was he the whack job that just hung around this neighborhood that people knew? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just kind of like blew into the film. Like, yeah. wait a second. How does this happen? Yeah, I just happen to know a physicist that has access to highly enriched plutonium for whatever reason. Um, But back to to your point, because Marty McFly was his confidence, he had none. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he couldn't hang around with other kids. He wasn't a jock. Okay. He wasn't cool. Mm -hmm. And not to get sidetracked, but one of the nicest things in that movie prop wise was that Toyota pickup truck when he opened a garage. Mm -hmm. I had one of those with a roll bar. That was <laughs> that was a shit ride in the day. <laughs> but he had no confidence with his friends, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he had a skateboard which was hot. But you know, and he had a, his girlfriend was mm-hmm. cute. But there was nothing else about his personal life. Hanging out with kids his own age, he finds the professor. So we identify with him because he has this kind of underlying nervousness that we all have. Yeah. He's, right. but he's not nerdy. He's not nerdy. He's cool, but he has a nervousness, but he's cool, but he's not jock cool. Right. He's not. And he liked, he liked heavy, he liked metal music. Yeah. So that made him cool. So that makes him he cool. He didn't look like he liked metal music. Right. I mean, so he then, looked like he was listening to air supply. If you think about it, back in the day that they wanted, everybody identifies with Marty McFly, even the kids at school that were jocks and, and like yes. knuckleheads or whatever. Everybody likes Marty McFly. Because there's no reason not to like him. He's our everybody. He was across the board. He was totally across the board. He's an everyman. He's an everyman, right? And um, he has enough smarts on his own to kind of make it without, you know, constantly the parents hounding over him. Which is interesting because once we get back to the 50s, it's the same energy. But it seems like the kids in the 50s get in way more trouble than the kids in the 80s do. I don't want to be re- uh, not to go sidetrack, but no, no sidetrack. Made- it's okay. No, my my dad is my dad just turned eighty. He's in great shape, and I take him down to his high school reunion every year on Long Island in New York. And they go to a diner, and I sit around and listen to the stories they tell. And he told one story where his buddy was there, and his buddy was from Puerto Rico. Well, he was dating a, a girl in the neighborhood, but the parents were not thrilled about it. So my dad had to pose as the boyfriend and he'd drive down the street with her and then they, she would go off with his, his buddy that was from Puerto Rico. So mm-hmm. they, in the fifties, kids became super rebellious. I mean, those mm-hmm. were the baby boomers. They were the children that came from the soldiers of world war two rock music. What was, I mean, it was poison coming out of the radio and mm-hmm. parents were like, what is this Elvis, right. little Richard, so kids in the 50s, I mean, they were trying anything and everything, but nobody could do that before. Mm-hmm. And music was fueling. Okay. Them. I mean, people like Sinatra and Frankie Lane were not. No. That wasn't fuel. Mu- rock and roll mm-hmm. really catapulted teenagers into that misfit thing. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. For sure. And then it hit when Buddy Holly was killed in the, in the plane crash with the big bopper and Richie Valens. It really took it down. So the record labels got back control of it with Bobby Vinton and mm-hmm. you know Lawrence Welk. And then when the Beatles hit, it was yeah. everything. It changed everything. If you really look at yeah. it, it's kind of like a sauna wave sure. where, you know, because teenagers in the 50s, I mean, there, there was leather jackets. I mean, yeah. kids never wore leather jackets. Mm-hmm. It was wide open and kids rebelled. They were here. They said, we want to do something. They were mm-hmm. spending money on different stuff. And music, rock music really influenced that. And then, you know, the Beatles changed it in the 60s. And then some of them went to Vietnam and then it mellowed early 70s. And then, you know, when Black Sabbath arrived and hmm. Zeppelin in the 70s, it took off all over again. Rock music was a great decade for rock music. It, isn't it funny that that we go from Hendrix and late Beatles and then a few years later we're hitting James Taylor? Right. 
the singer songwriter yeah. period. Yeah, and it's you like, know, what happened? <laughs> what after happened? Woodstock. Yeah. Now, Woodstock hit. It was the party. It was it was done. It was peaceful, and then everybody was kind of like, wow. Actually, you know what? Today is the 45th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. Oh, I saw that online wow. today. Huh? Nobody was talking about that. But, it, you know, you went to Carol King, mm-hmm. you know, Jim Croce, Bread. Yeah. And then, you know, Back by up. the end of the decade, disco hit. But it, it, it music influences a lot mm-hmm. how people behave. Right. No question about so, but, it. So let's look into the, the lens of this movie then, if we're going to look at comparing the 80s to the 50s. And again, just to, and I, another side note, and Jay, I'm sorry, I just can't shut up about this. So you can jump in if you want. I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no it's, Again, it's let's think time machine here. Like we already passed 30 years since this movie came out. So if we're looking at Back to the Future 2, which was 2015, I want my hoverboard and I'm glad I don't have to wear two ties. That's all I got to say. Now, um, so, so 1950 is as far away from 1980 as now is from 2045, which is crazy pants. But the next thing, so the next thing I want to you look at is from what you just said, the film makes us at ease with the the decade of the '80s. It's not going down the realm of everyone, you know, bankers shoving coke up their noses and uh, or you know, Iran Contra or or you know, hostages in the Middle East or anything like that. It's a very you know, everybody's kind of comfortable. At least this, I'm not saying the '80s were calm. I'm just saying like everybody's comfortable. And then you look at the 50s, which was supposed to be a, some people would say a better time when America was America, but you have Marty's mom is is drinking underage, smoking underage. He's shocked by it, by the yep. way, when he's in the car. With, she wants to be all wild with him. We don't get, a, 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 Marty's got a girlfriend, but he's not like ready to smoke in the parking lot and have a, a fifth of whiskey and make out or have sex before the dance. Uh, we got Biff who is threatening to kill people. I'm going to kill him. Quote after, well, I, I guess I'd <laughs> yeah. feel the same way if I had a mouthful of manure, but I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? So, there's a lot of like, it seemed like it was a nice time, but really, like, it seemed like it was kind of dangerous for where Marty it, it, was in, right? Yeah, the 50s were dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had really select groups. You had, well, like you do almost today, you got mm-hmm. jocks, you got rebels, you got bikers, you got nerds, you, you had kids or kids. Yeah. No matter what happens, kids are kids. Yeah. And they they pick a slot, they pick a direction, you know, and they pick a, a group to hang out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the 50s were not a lot different than things are today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw it. I saw it change so fast. I graduated in 1979 high school. OK, by the end of that summer, disco was gone and dead. The music industry was in shambles. Mm-hmm. You know, it was this very soft, adult contemporary sound. All the uh, big bands of the 70s had broken up Zeppelin. Pink Floyd was still around, but it was quiet. And then cable TV came along and they came up with MTV to try to help the music industry. Mm -hmm. You couldn't sell anything. Right. I mean, sales were down. The only, you know, it was a great time for Pretenders, Pat Benatar, New Wave was bubbling under, but not strong Mm -hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. But when MTV hit and it hit and it just exploded and we were, Jay and I were talking about this the other day, 1983, it was like the walls just came down and music just poured out. You know, what came the British invasion, the American groups and kids were running home every day. I got to go home. I got to watch M. They didn't mm-hmm. call it MTV. They watched M mm-hmm. and they would sit there. That's why when people say now, oh, my kid is in front of the screen all the time. And I go, hmm, mm. what were you doing in the eighties? You were home parked on a sunny day, 85 degrees. Cause you couldn't get enough of MTV. I got to tell you, I went home after school and, and I didn't get cable till I, yeah, my parents didn't get cable until I left school for college. I mean, left home for college. Thanks. But I went <laughs> home every day and I, you know, I just wanted to go home and sit on my Bought and watched Star Wars or Back to the Future or something that my mother, my grandmother pirated. <laughs> Back to your point. So I <laughs> yeah. was, you know what I mean? Like I had yeah. a library of, of bootleg videotapes that I would just watch. And I didn't care how many times I saw them or where I picked them up or wherever. I mean, that's just what I did every now and then. Like there were some days like, hey, you want to come over? And I'm like, oh, like my friends want to come over. I'm like, oh, I don't know. This Empire Strikes Back is not going to watch itself, folks. 
Um, think about it. We had three. We had three channels. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, when a movie when a movie came up, it, it was a big deal when you got the fall TV guide. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see what movie is going to be. You know, finally, I remember when The Godfather went on TV, and my father said, no, "You can't watch that." <laughs> I was thinking, Dad, <laughs> look who's here on Sunday at the table. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a big deal, and because network TV would buy the movie and show it, that was mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very, very small capsule compared to what's out there today. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to I think it's really hard for people to understand that they didn't grow up at that time, mm-hmm. that you didn't have the convenience to watch what you wanted to watch or listen to what you wanted to hear at any yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird to think. Mm-hmm. About That's that. true. Yeah. Well, we had talked about that on a earlier episode. I don't know if today I could give up my ease of access to yes. anything I want. I do love that but it loses a little bit of that magic of the anticipation for instance when we were younger and the wizard of oz was coming on tonight at eight o'clock oh my god yeah you you had to wait you had to wait till eight yeah and sit there in front of the tv and go mom come on it's it's coming up you know and there was no chance there was no chance for you to do anything but yeah, you know, when the commercials came on, you ran. Yep. Yeah, that might be quote of the year: ease of access. Ease of access. Yep. <laughs> ease of access. It's Even true. you know, you you knew there was a new song you really liked. You scan the dial. Yep. Oh, there it is, and then it was gone. And you yep. get that pit. Oh, I got the end. Got- the DJ won't shut oh. up at the beginning. <laughs> exactly. Shut you know, up. Oh, we used to get warned about. It. Don't talk over the entire <laughs> intro. I, I Glenn Fry, the one you love, which is a great saxophone mm-hmm. over the intro. I had a program director. You don't want to talk over that. <laughs> Let it breathe. I got it. You know, and now uh, he's right. I mean, you know, you have to respect that. It's not about you. It's about tell the me, song. Tell me if this, and, and this is how well we're trained. Okay. How many times have you been lazy on the couch watching? I mean, I still have cable, right? Because there's some things I, I got. I got a lot of streaming services, but there's still some cable because there's stuff I want to see on cable. Or even before the streaming came out and you're watching something on the TV because you're lazy and sitting there and you're finally relaxing. And you're watching, say, Raiders of the Lost Ark on whatever TNT, and oh, you, there's a commercial, so you wait, you know, and oh, it's back, and you, you wait, and then you watch the watch the movie some more until the next commercial, and then it dawns on you, I have this on DVD. Why exactly. am I? Why am I watching this? But but even but even but even after you realize it. You don't get up and go get the movie. You keep watching it on TV because we're programmed like, oh, this is special. This is special right now. It's the same thing as with those, 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 and I'm sorry. I mean, I'm aging myself a little bit. Those, those, those holiday specials, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the mm-hmm. Year Without a Santa Claus and all that stuff, yep. right? Like that was appointment watching because you got it once. Sorry. You got it once. <laughs> I'm freaking out. You got it once, and that was it. There, you got it once a year. And if you're a kid, that's important, particularly if you're still you still believe in Santa. And in your recollection, like as a kid, I'm like, man, I must have seen that. I must have seen Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer like a hundred times. That's physically impossible. I probably only saw it about six times, but it seems like yeah. forever because it's appointment TV. It's yeah. not ease of access. You had to wait a freaking year. And right around the time of Christmas. So you're really amped up. I think that's what's missing with nowadays is none of that. You know where people get excited now? For the stuff that comes out every week. The Mandalorian, Falcon and Winter Soldier, all that stuff that only comes out once a week. It's not dropped all at once. I find that my students are talking about that stuff rather than the series that get dropped all at once on Netflix and you get to watch You binge watch it. I think people want that. I think people want to have that appointment. Like, oh, what's going to happen next? I got to wait a week and then a head explodes. Well, yeah. I they build I anticipation. Never, how do you, that's something I, I mean, I love working outside, you know, around my property and, you know, or working on a car or something like that. I could not sit there for nine hours on mm-hmm. a beautiful day and binge watch no, a show. It's, I just, it's, I, I couldn't do it. Maybe I, at night. I think it was big at first once the, all of this started, started. People were watching like, I'm going to watch all of Lost in one sitting. But I think it, it has kind of come around. I don't think you don't hear about people binging stuff as much. At least no, I don't. It, at least I don't at school. Like, and again, I'm dealing with teenagers every day. So it's like, I don't hear that at school as much. But 
Hey, back, back to Rudolph. I got to tell you a story about that. <laughs> okay. <hit me. laughs> so my, my dad told me this story because he was, he was working in an accounting firm in the mid sixties and Rankin and Bass, the guys that created that. Yeah. They sat everybody down that was, you know, voice and sang in the special. And they said, okay, everybody, you have a choice of um, getting paid one-time fee or residuals from reruns. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, what the hell is a rerun? Everybody took a one-time fee except for Burl Ives. Oh. He he goes, no, I want the rights to Holly Jolly Christmas if I'm going to sing it. So the key is here, gentlemen, the next time around, mm-hmm. write a great Christmas song. <laughs> All right. That keeps on giving. <laughs> wow. Same thing happened with Vincent Price when he did the voice on Thriller. Mm-hmm. He was offered $33,000 or, which was a lot of money in 82 when they mm-hmm. did the album, or lifetime royalties from the album <sighs> song Thriller. He took the $33,000. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that poor guy. You know, they, there was, um, there was a story about, uh, she just passed away. She died of COVID actually. It was, um, Marianne Dawn Wells from okay. Gilligan's yeah. Island. So TV land had just set itself up and all the stars were coming through to the radio stations promoting and Bob Denver came in. He was a great guy. He was a wicked stoner. So they said, uh, they said, Bob, you know, I mean, you know, the, the royalties, the, the, you know, the, the residuals from years of reruns, he goes, no, we didn't get anything except for Don Wells, who was dating an attorney that was uh, working with CBS and uh, Metro Goldwyn at the time. And he mm-hmm. goes, no, you make sure they, if they bring up syndication, you want syndication. Nobody knew what that was. So she made a lot of money all the years of reruns of Gilligan's Island. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they they just got screwed up. I don't want to get sidetracked with the Rudolph story. No, that. you know, no, no, we, 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 this whole, this, so far, this whole episode, one giant sidetrack. <laughs> That's all okay. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> Which is awesome. I got a way to bring it's it back. I got a way to bring it back. That's fine. I, well, here's, here's an example. You just said, what's a rerun? That's a great moment from the film. Oh my God. Yeah. Who was the actor who <laughs> said that? In that, in that uh, in Jason that Hervey, I think his name is, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and he's watching the, the Honeymooners, which he's is- He's a kid from the Wonder God. Years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. The older brother from the Wonder Years. And I believe- That was a, really, that was a well- That show was very well done, mm-hmm. if you look back at it now. It really was. With the mm-hmm. narration and, you know, that, that took place in the 60s. So I'm, I'm going to swing it back to Back to the Future, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I've got a- I've got a <laughs> No, it's okay. This is awesome. Hey, sauce. what movie no, did you cover? <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I have a, so I, we're not going to, we're not going to go Jay and I every now and then like, we'll go scene by scene or, or whatever. I just have a general question that we could probably stew on for a minute. And it's this, I was thinking of this today. Cause what am I going to say about back to the future? It's like I said, flawless, generally not my favorite movie. Jaws is my favorite movie. And even then I recognize that Jaws isn't a perfect movie. It's not. I make fun of it a lot. It's a bro. movie that holds up, though. Absolutely. Especially what's going on now on the Cape. Yeah, no wow. doubt about it. But um, so I understand it. it's not my favorite movie, but I don't want you to like, like, and I'm saying it's flawless. But here's the thing. Is Back to the Future a science fiction movie? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, that's how you classify science fiction. Science fiction Star Wars. Right. Or science fiction Back to the Future where something magically can happen with a car I mean, that goes 88 miles an yeah, hour. There is generally, I, I mean, this generally, all of the science is absolute nonsense, but that's okay. Right. We don't care. That's what makes it science fiction, right? So it's based on something, but how much science fiction is actually happening in the movie? Well, I mean, there's quite a bit when you think about it. I mean, he's back in time trying to reverse things. I know, but the MacGuffin doesn't last very long. Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to get back to the future, but I'm talking about the actual, like, how much tech, how much science, science fiction is it? Yeah, but, like, what about the, the fact that his he's disappearing and uh, the, the family photos are disappearing? That, that's a space-time... I mean, that's all based on... Well, isn't that all like kind of a... That's a, it's a space-time continuum thing, but when I think science fiction, I'm thinking, I know they hint at robots. I know that there's a DeLorean with a flux capacitor, which is not a real thing, in the back of it. It's got to go 88 miles per hour, which means nothing at all. The only reason for that mm-hmm. is that we actually have to have the car not instantly just blip out like the TARDIS, right? 
There's got to be some drama. Think about how great that is. Like you've got to get to this right speed going down this road at right time. All I'm saying is when when we think of science fiction movies, I don't know, I do. I'm not thinking just Star Wars. I'm thinking robots, tech. Yes. Automation. Yeah. And there's not a lot of that in this movie, right? So It's they're really, really different. Yeah, it's I'm really thinking. not a lot. So really, what is this movie? Is it a comedy? Well, it, it, uh, I would put it in there, yes. I mean, it was... Yeah. Is Think it of other comedy? movies around it like that that had imagination. What was the um, Peggy Sue got married? That sure that was mm-hmm. well, got that kind of close to it where he was traveling through time. But right, time travel movies before Back to the Future. There aren't a lot of them. No, no, there aren't. Um, so, but, I, it, but I is think, it a comedy? You know it's not. But it's not a. It's not a bust your gut comedy. It's funny. No, but it's not a but airplane which makes you shoot milk out your nose. Sorry, Jack, yeah, but, but that's 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 also no, but that's like uh, airplanes on its own. I think it's. That's oh, I understand that. I'm just I'm just bringing it, up it, points. Yeah, sure. I would say the fact that uh, this is probably on its own, meaning it represents a lot of different genres. So, like, but you have to categorize it. So recently, we we did um, we did stakeout, and we were having tr- we were like, is this a comedy or is this a uh, mm-hmm. an action film? And we right. said, well, it's an action comedy, but we have to sort of put it in the comedy section at the video mm-hmm. store. Now, I would I would put this in the comedy section of the video store because of its light fare. Sure. Okay. Yeah, you know, it would be an that. adventure like Indiana Jones. I don't know. It's a, that last scene is an adventure. There's a lot of stuff going on that has to happen but, just yes, right. But, yeah. There's a, no, there's a, there's a chase. Whoa, 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 breaks. There's a chase scene. <laughs> there's a chase scene, right? There's a, where with Biff and the and the skateboard. Uh that's adventurous, yeah. right? So I'm just saying, like, it's it's that maybe that's why this movie holds up, is because it's there's so many moving parts. That, that's really what I is. mean. Is it a drama? Is it what a drama? The, and even the letter that, you know, after Doc yeah. is shot in the parking lot and he pulls yeah. out the letter. That's drama. That's high drama. So, I mean, and, and let's not forget Elaine. Uh, Elaine, that is mom. Mom's Elaine, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, sexual assault? Hello? I mean, there is dramatic elements of this movie when you actually think for a moment that, She's going to get like, I'm sorry, it's it's sexual assault in the car at the right. at the at the end of the sea dance. And then George comes by and punches him, which is one of the best moments ever. Um, so there's there's a lot of elements of a lot of things. And I think that's why every I think that's why it's flawless. And I think that's the argument you make that why it has to hold up, because it's something literally for everybody. There's small things in the movie. They they. um the Afro-American kid that's working at the luncheonette. Yep. And he, he looks at him and he knows he will be mayor of the town someday. Mm-hmm. And the, the point back to Chuck Berry at mm-hmm. the end of the movie, Chuck, listen to this. You know that new mm-hmm. sound? He holds the phone up mm-hmm. and Michael mm-hmm. J. Fox is playing Van Halen on stage and everybody's looking at him like, what are you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so, good. so many little pieces that are in, in this film. It's almost like, they, it's almost like they built it as they flew. They even take you on know. racism. Yeah, they took on racism. They take it. The they take it on. They don't. They don't put it in as like as if it's it's okay. They point it out because the guys yeah. who are helping out Marty, they get in trouble. You know, the the bullies yes. say something very inappropriate, and then they they chase after the bully. So you know, it ends mm-hmm. up. Uh, you know, I mean, something that that's pretty ahead of the time. I forgot yeah, about that, was, that. That's a really good point. I was thinking of the the kid working in the luncheonette who would become mayor, but I did I forgot about that. But that's but, where he cut his hand. Yeah, he cut yeah. he cut his hand and he couldn't play the guitar. But let's and then not, he's on stage and he's starting to lose his guitar. He can't because the the picture is fading away and it's almost mm-hmm. like he's you know he's losing yeah. coordination. <laughs> I do like you have this nice movie and like it's. Barely a white town. I mean, everybody in the town's white, except for the kid behind the counter and then the band that shows up. And so yep. these white kids think they're running the show because it's everybody's white in the town. And when they do give the guff to the group, they all they all get out. They're all giant. <laughs> and I do believe weed smoke is coming out yeah. of the car. Yeah, yeah. That is so they great. Said, we, like, don't wanna, <clears throat> we don't want to get involved in any reefer addicts. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's the reefer addicts. Yeah. But if you yeah. but if you think about that, like you guys, it's so I oh I'm so glad you brought that up because it's like they think they're so tough and they don't know anything Nothing. about anything. Oh, that's so precious. I forgot about that. Oh, that's, know, that, really- that's, a, that, that, that's that's a whole cap. Oh, then the shows the downtown. Mm-hmm. The, how much the town has changed yep. compared to the fifties? Mm-hmm. Adult Clean. film stores. Mm-hmm. I mean, just it's really run down. It was this beautiful little town in the fifties, yep. and then it, it looked like. It, I mean, it it looked like unfortunately a lot of downtowns and in, in in cities. You today. know, a bit of trivia, and I don't have the exact title, but it's um uh, it's on the screen. It's on the marquee when he goes back to when he gets back to nineteen eighty five, and that drunk guy is like crazy drunk driver you know that you know that old guy on the park bench yes right now there's a movie title in the back it's like something orgy like and and apparently that man starred in that movie (laughs) (laughs) no yeah that's cool also let's give it up to the brilliance of this movie for not and i jay can contest this i hate it when a movie assumes i'm stupid and has to feed me stuff it lets me find things out on my own. How great is it? And it's, they don't close up on this. They just let it fly by that it goes from the Twin Pines Mall to the Lone Pines Mall. I mean, yes. And they don't like zoom yeah. in and say, oh, remember that? Ah, like they, it just yeah. zooms by and you have to pick it up. Good. And I thank films for doing that. You know what I mean? Now everybody knows about it now, but Question. I didn't notice it when I saw it in the theater. And then when I saw it 4,000 times on video, I'm like, wait a minute, it says loan now. Thank you for that. Like, I don't think I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm not stupid. No, let's- I wonder if they put that in purposely where they just, they you get so many. Robin Williams did a great movie called Awakenings. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, fabulous oh, movie. And- blubbering tears at the end of that oh, movie, my. yes. I mean, yes, it was it was a true story. And there's one scene, because it took place in 1969, and he's sitting at the desk. And if you look behind him, a bus goes by, and it's a brand new bus. Oh, and I didn't nothing. So I, I picked that up just on my own. But another scene in Back to the Future is when he hides the DeLorean mm-hmm. and it's the sign future homes. Yeah. What was going to become his neighborhood. Right. The Lion Estate. Yeah. 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 And it was it was the land that because building was big in the 50s. You know, mm-hmm. there were people were building homes coming out with GI loans. But that was where his future neighborhood was. I don't think he even realized that when he rolled that car mm-hmm. behind that sign. And that right. Because they don't. Yeah, you're right. Because it's not like they stop and he goes, oh, my God. Like right, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I never. That's cool. It lets. I mean, there's it, so many little things. Yeah, it lets it sit what about, in. It what lets about it sit in? What about at the beginning when they're showing all the clocks and you see a guy hanging from one of the arms on a clock and it kind of looks like Doc Brown. When was that? What was that? At the, beginning the absolute movie. beginning, when they're panning in Doc Brown's. Uh, garage or whatever where, where marty goes and, and plays the guitar and gets blown okay, across yeah. the room for the all the clocks are, are being shown and then you're seeing mm-hmm. the, the weird stuff that's coming on like the toast that's burnt beyond belief yeah and the dog food that keeps getting dumped yeah. they show a clock and they show a guy hanging from one of the arms by you know for dear life and it kind of looks like doc brown oh that's cool. i gotta I, look at that never noticed that i never noticed that you know a lot of times films I remember watching a, an interview with Sylvester Stallone about the first Rocky that they ran out of money when they did that movie mm-hmm. at the end and they had to go back and ask for more money to shoot the beginning scenes, which were, so you wonder if they added that after, you know, Spielberg might've sat there and said, wow, I got an idea how we can take that clock and put it in that, mm-hmm. in that first, you wonder as filmmakers, as they would see something, okay, let's put that over here. Let's move that mm-hmm. here, like building it as you fly it. Sure. I got to look that up, though. I don't remember seeing that, but there was so much going on in the beginning of that right. film. I don't know if you guys Uh-oh. can. Hold on. Let me get closer. because I. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Look at that. Look at that. Huh. All right. There Pretty you go. Cool. Wow. Jay, Johnny on the spot with the trivia. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, then. You know, Joe, uh, I got to uh, ask you. You had mentioned that you had done the premiere. Yeah, well, the the Boston premiere. It was done in Saugus, okay. and uh, they had a DeLorean there that night. It was big to do premieres with props in those days. I did the Blues Brothers premiere in Providence when I was working in Pro FM, and these two guys from Woonsocket, Rhode Island, drove up in the Bluesmobile. They won a thousand dollars. That's awesome. And 
I mean, these two guys, I don't know where they came from. They probably went to every premiere in the Northeast they could to make the money, mm -hmm. but they had a DeLorean at that premiere in Saugus and nice. it was pretty cool. And then we gave away Back to the Future had, I believe it had like a mini theme park in Anaheim. It was short lived, but we gave away a trip out there to that mm -hmm. close to where Disney World was and i think the tickets were four or five dollars to get into the theater that was it but that delorean was i mean delorean was he was a pretty interesting guy came out of he developed the camaro mm -hmm. and the yep. firebird and then i was back to the future out before or after he had the cocaine after trial. After. It was after. It was after. So those cars became highly collectible, mm -hmm. even before the movie. They also were wondering, when, when they decided on making it a car, they were saying, how about a Mustang? And I'm so glad they came up with it. DeLorean was just perfect for it. Like, you oh, know, it the was, way the, the doors the open up. up. Yeah. Rusty Jones was a popular thing to have your car ah. rust-proof. And there was a <laughs> yeah. lawsuit against John DeLorean because his dealership was charging customers for Rusty Jones. I mean, the car was, it was rust proof. It was made out of, yeah. you know, it was like aluminum. Aluminum, yeah. Uh, back really to the question. Cool with a Volvo engine. Back to the question Yes. about Doc Brown. Remember you guys were like, where the hell did he come from? Yep. I think I remember him saying something along the lines, I spent my entire like inheritance on what I've been doing here. Like, cause in, if you look at the past, he was, he lived in like a mansion. Yeah. And when he, in the fifties, people, the scenes in the fifties, yeah. people knew who he was. Mm -hmm. And Maybe he lived he in a big, big house. Well, either that or just a descendant of people who functioned better in society. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all I'm saying is that that's why he lives in like more of a shack because he cared more about what he was doing. Like, you know, like all the, uh, the experiments, like, you know, for the right. building the time machine. I just point. thought it was kind that's, of uh, interesting. You know, Michael J. Fox was burning the candle at both ends. Was was Taxi canceled by? Was Taxi still on the air when Back to the Future? No, I think it, I think it ended in like eighty two or something. Yeah. Okay, so he had he that was his first role in motion pictures after Taxi, mm -hmm. which he the talent on that show. Not to get sidetracked. Yeah. Although this is what the episode is about. <laughs> Andy Kaufman, mm -hmm. Christopher Lloyd, Tony. I mean, just incredible. Hey, cast. what do you do with a yellow light? Slow down. Oh, everyone's favorite do you slow down oh what? <laughs> he was so burnt he was just god reverend, he was a typical awesome. cab driver in new york reverend jim okay okay that's awesome so 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 i think i think what it says is uh particularly about this movie is that the reason it's so good is that you can't put it in a hole you can't pigeonhole it it's something no. for everybody. The soundtrack. I mean, I mean, it wasn't like a full-on soundtrack, but that one theme song was just beyond belief, and the score. Oh yeah, I, I've got a. I've seen the line. I've got that picture of Huey Lewis and Michael J. Fox sitting there, both on stage. And you know, I look at both of those guys now. Like Huey Lewis can't sing anymore because of his hearing, and Michael J. Fox struggling with Parkinson's. It's, oh. It's, it goes to show mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you got to count your blessings every yep. day. Or, you know, don't let a moment slip by either because you right. don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, no. By the way, it took me years before I realized that was Huey Lewis that said, you're too down loud. <laughs> you're too darn loud. Really? Bullhorn. You didn't really yeah, know didn't, that? Not years ago. No, because I was just focused on the fact that he had the glasses and the suit kind of looked like one of our teachers back in the day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, you know. there's a prep service that people in radio will get different facts. I always knew Huey Lewis was very smart. He went to Cornell to become an engineer and yep. he left. He had a perfect score in his math SAT. All right, then. Perfect wow. score. Pah. I did too. If you add a ball three times, yeah. I took it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. But he was, he was a really smart guy. And you know what? Not to get sidetracked, but Huey Lewis for a second. I mean, when sports came out, that was a make it or break it album for those guys. They yep. had been kicking around for a long time. And this was it. Okay, guys, if this album doesn't work, and it did, and it took off, and then he got in the movie, and that album, Sports, saved their career as a band. They were just playing just dive bars in San Francisco. That was my first was vinyl. an amazing album. Ever owned. Sports? Sports. My yeah, first... It's a great album. It really is. I and mean, there was a lot of vinyl in the house, but that was the first one that was legit mine. So let's think about that one. Uh, my, my first video cassette was Back to the Future, and my first vinyl was Sports. I was just Huey Lewis mania. 
in my house. Wow. He uh-huh. was pretty hot in the mid eighties. That was a very hot band and a, and a really hot. And let's time. not forget. He was in duets with Gwyneth Paltrow playing a karaoke hustler. Don't forget that. Oh, you know what? He, they sang cruising together. <laughs> yes. It's that a good single. It's, a it's cool, actually a really good version. Oh, no, no. It's a totally yeah, cool it's, song, but that movie is garbage. Yeah, it is. It's, it's garbage. pretty bad. He's a karaoke hustler. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> there were some movies that gave us good songs in the 80s, mm-hmm. but boy, they were bombs. Yeah. I mean, like, to live and die in L.A., Wang Chung, great song. It wasn't a big hit, but oh, it was uh, very good one night song, in Bangkok though. for the movie Chess. Mm-hmm. That was another one. That album, that, that movie didn't do anything. It was a movie. Movie, yeah. I, movie I knew it was a. I knew it was a a Broadway show, but uh, wow, I didn't even know there was a movie with it. Yeah, yeah. One night wow. in Bangkok. Oh, uh, Murray Head, I believe, agreed to do that song because he loved. He had a big hit with Jesus Christ Superstar, the theme from that. And that's why he agreed to do that song. Huh. You know, a lot yeah, of, no, that's it, a good one night in Bangkok's great. Oh my God. It was people ask me about that decade all the time. And I always say the same thing. There was so much good music. It didn't get played enough the first time. Every week you'd sit there like, okay, we can only add three songs, but we got 10 of them that are that good. Mm. You know, it was just, you look at a top 10 from a particular week, mm-hmm. even, even in film. Yeah. And it's like, all these songs are out at the same time. You got to be kidding yeah. me. All that mm-hmm. talent and energy flowing through the pipe at the same time. It's just unbelievable. And they still found a way to put Bruce Willis on the radio. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, how about how about Don Johnson singing Heartbeat? Put on yeah. Heartbeat! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Willis, yeah. Uh, yeah. At least Swayze could sing. Yeah. At least Swayze could sing for that one song. Yeah. yeah that so, was a good I mean, one. She's like the wind. That song still gets played a lot. That's good. And now when he took he took a chance on um, Dirty Dancing, that was a real risk for him. Yeah, he wasn't you know happy. Why? It was funny. The, uh, the he was talking to his brother, who was in uh, another movie at the same. They were filming at the same time. He goes, "I'm really jealous of you, little brother." He goes, "I'm in this stupid dancing film." <laughs> little did no he kidding. know, freaking you know, play the thing would just he you know erupt. I mean, that was huge. That soundtrack was huge. I mean, that sure was, was that was really, really big. Yeah, Back to well, the um, Future, a franchise, the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's attempt, and I say attempt, our, our, a little moment of uh, final judgment. Okay. <laughs> it's time now for final judgment. Are you ready to rubber stamp this bitch? Here's the final judgment. <laughs> I, I, I can... uh, it's a moment where we decide whether it holds up or not. Uh, so uh, at this point in the show. So what we're going to do is uh, I'll start. Okay. I'm just going to say absolutely it holds up. I think uh, I could show this to any young person. I could show this to my kids and they would absolutely enjoy it. Uh, it doesn't take much. The, even the song Power of Love, you know, like you hear it while he's, he's riding around on the back of the Jeep. You know, what he's doing with the skateboard, it just fits. It has mm-hmm. a real positive oomph to it. There's there's so much to it. Michael J. Fox. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Everybody was cool with him. The jocks are cool. Everybody likes him. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. from home, you're watching. It's like, you can't go wrong. The formula, everything, the jokes. There's lines in this that we could list today that quote forever. Yep. Uh, just so much of them through the years. So I, I absolutely, you know, it's just too much to say about it other than it absolutely holds up. I, yeah, will, I, will, I will pass it on to, to the next person, you know, because there's just there's too much great stuff to say. You want, you want to go next, Chris? Is that- yeah, I'll go. Uh, obviously, it does hold up. I think it's timeless. I think it belongs. It's in the National Film Registry as a piece of uh, American culture. So it's in the Library of Congress as indicative of culture at the time. It's a very nice reflective piece of 80s culture it's it's and it's not a time machine it's not like why everybody likes well not everybody but like wonder woman 84 <laughs> or um oh my God. i didn't see it i didn't see it i'm not gonna bother or stranger <laughs> things like people get all hooked on oh look how weird and wacky the 80s was where this movie isn't like you don't watch it because it's 80s wacky watch it because well it takes place in the 80s but you don't really care uh, even though it's all there the only thing the only thing and the only thing that doesn't hold up is specific product placement like Pepsi free. That's it. Or tab. That joke doesn't hold up because that yeah. product doesn't exist anymore. So um, whatever. Now it's whatever. Tab. Pepsi tab. Yeah. Give me a tab. 
Tab doesn't exist. Pepsi free doesn't exist. So that joke falls flat. Everything else is just dandy. So it's like it's like in Iron Man when Tony Stark says, "Don't put this up on MySpace." <laughs> oh my God! He said that. That's yeah, he says that right at the beginning. I'm like, oh boy, MySpace. So yeah, any specific product placement usually finds its way out. Pepsi free and Tab are those. So other than that, it's obviously perfect. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. It it holds up because there's just so many unique pieces. It will hold anyone's attention. There's always a new generation coming along for movies and music. Mm-hmm. They want to see, you know, I mean, hey, they did Hotel California. What else did this band mm-hmm. do? Don't, we've been on the planet a long time. You guys have a lot to catch up on. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good things to see. And it just keeps you there in a clean, safe way like, wow, what's next? And you can watch it again and pick up things many, many times mm-hmm. over that you haven't seen. Yep. It's definitely, to me, it's Spielberg at his best next to E.T., without question. Why it took him so long to win a bet, an Oscar, that's another Well, story. And, and Zemeckis has a string of movies uh, that are fantastic up to about Polar Express, which is just weird. Um, but everything else before that. I can't get into that movie. Yeah, I, it's, I it's, watched it. Uh, and it's just uh, probably maybe I get lost in the animation, but it's it's weird. It's kind of it, strange. It's just you know what? It's he tried something that the technology wasn't ready for. That's all. The, the tech the tech wasn't ready for that animation. Video games that you play on your Xbox now have better animation than the Polar Express does. Like the people look more realistic yeah. in the latest edition of Assassin's Creed than it does in the Polar Express. So he just tried too much with what was available. But anyway, Zemeckis also did Castaway, which was not favorite movies uh anyhow so yes uh it absolutely him and zemeckis a wonderful team spielberg and zemeckis are a wonderful team and obviously whatever they do usually comes out pretty good so yeah that's that if i could you know i want to recommend one movie from a guy that doesn't watch a lot of movies but this movie was good it was it was called diner oh sure seen Diner a long time ago i've seen parts of it yeah god that guy sitting at the diner he's massive and he eats his way through the whole menu. He keeps ordering every page, and they just keep bringing plates and plates of food to him. Kevin Bacon's in that mm-hmm. movie. Paul Reiser, I believe. Paul Reiser, yep. who I just saw. Uh, on, Steve uh, Gutenberg, too? Yes, and Mickey Rourke. Is Mickey yeah. Rourke in I think so. Yeah. Yes, so, yep. yes, yeah. Crazy that's, scene with that, a popcorn. That's my uh, recommendation. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I, know. I, I I come across the freaking movie, and that's 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 the scene I come across. Mm-hmm. Uh, him with a popcorn bucket. That's all I'm gonna. Oh say. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. She's gonna take. She's gonna take the quiz on the Baltimore Colts. Mm-hmm. If she passes. They get married. If she fails, the wedding's off. Yep. That's great. No. All right. This was great. I mean, just sit around. Chris, I told Jay, I said, you know, some of the things I've seen in movies in the 70s, I mean, just amazing how they did certain scenes, mm-hmm. you know, outside of this decade. Mm-hmm. I was telling them about, um, have you ever seen The French Connection? Oh, sure. You know that scene where the, and they're ch- he's doing the chase scene with the subway and that yeah. girl, the woman comes out with the baby carriage? She wandered onto the set. That was not supposed to be there. Nope. <laughs> and they kept it. Well, I, I and from I imagine William Friedkin probably wasn't like ah don't try to go around her, no, because <laughs> he's a prick. Um, he's the, he's yeah. The, you got to see that movie. I mean, that's it's vintage New York City police, nineteen seventies. Gene Hackman. We, oh my God, he's William Friedkin now. who did that, who directed The Exorcist. He would bring guns into the into the set to startle people and then record it. He would just he would just fire really? off guns. In there, in there, and so much so that whoever plays um, the the priest there, Father Karras, he's like, "You son of a bitch! If you ever do that again, what if something goes wrong?" He's like, "I don't worry about it." But he'd, he'd fire off guns just to startle people, just and, to get people. And there was really? one there was one time when when uh, when Reagan pushes her mom down, or the devil pushes her mom down, and she hits the ground, and they hear mom scream. Well, she had a she had had a back surgery or something. And, and she's oh. like, don't push me down. It's going to hurt. And Re- Freakin's like, yeah, don't worry about it. And he tells the actor, push her down really hard. And she does, they do it anyway. And the, oh, the, screams, the screams are real. He's not a nice guy. That's why I said that about the French kid. I like, oh, that's a baby. It's perfect. Aim. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Boy, The Exorcist, that was a film. I was a little kid, and I remember my older cousins would all sleep in the living room that night after seeing it. Yeah. That movie, for 1975, that's a scare people to shit. Oh, yeah, movie. absolutely. And you know what? What I don't get is that younger people now don't think it's scary. And I'm like, how? I don't see how you don't think that's scary. I mean, well, all right. The technical gore, that's why. Well, I mean, today. but I'm into gore too, but... When 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 Satan is coming for you and it takes this little ch- how how is it not scary I I don't I don't see how that's possible oh it's it's scary Linda Blair's performance there was I mean it really was pretty incredible and and they they ask her about the cursing in that in that movie when she was young and they ask her well, what was it like and and even at like whatever old she was eight ten you know she's just said uh, I'm just saying my lines. Like she didn't, yeah. and, and her, what'd your mother think? And my mother just said, you're just saying your lines. They're just lines. They wouldn't let her do the crucifix scene, but no. <laughs> that's kind of not good. But uh, everything else, um, I'm like, you how know, about the, uh, I, I've seen the, uh, the clip of the director's cut where she's going backwards down the stairs. Mm, the crab walk. Down. Yeah. That's messed up. The crab walk. Now, how can you not like say her. that movie is not scary? I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. Because it's not, it's not just like haunted house stuff. It's you're not safe. Satan can come, and, I mean, and I'm an atheist. And, and an, Satan can come for anybody, right? At any an time for any reason. Took yeah. an innocent. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good yeah, stuff. That movie was. Crazy. I mean, and I was going to Catholic school at the time. <laughs> we did, yeah. You know. Hey, you see the movie this weekend? Oh, sorry, sister. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> see that thing with the your brother's your mother so stocks that smell? I mean, what? All right. <clears throat> so, <laughs> nice SNL uh, reference there. Yeah, I know. Uh, all right. Um, so listen, thank you so much, Joe, for, for yeah. joining oh, us. Oh, it was today. great. Just, it was a blast. Was Guys, we probably could sit here for days talking about easy. movies and music and easy. pop culture. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Back to the future, the stuff that you brought up. I mean, two things tonight. The ease, what did you say? The the easement? Of, ease of access. Ease of access. And is it a science fiction movie or not? Yeah. Those, I mean, those are two really interesting, well, that's a great phrase, but is it a science fiction movie or not? Yeah. It's really something to think I about. Dare, I dare say, except for, yeah, there's a time machine, but it's not really science fiction. It's not. No. Yes, but it's then about. You can't, it's not. You can't have that. You can't have the section of uh, the video store with nothing, <laughs> except for one movie. No, sitting by yeah. itself. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the Back I'd to love, the Future section. I mean, I love to come back talk about music and uh, you know sure. other stuff. Yes. You guys do a great job. Oh, thank this you. Was a lot of thank fun. You. Excellent. Thank you, sir. It's I like sitting that. around a table at a diner with coffee, or mm-hmm. you know, just sitting there just chewing the fat about you know pop. This culture. is what Jay and I well, would do. So, so truth be told, a quick story, and then I think I got to split too, but so quick story is that Jay and I have known each other for a while and we lived down the street from each other. And then he got married and moved to Massachusetts. I got married and moved to Connecticut. So we haven't really physically seen each other in quite some time, but we would, we would kind of touch base over the phone and this is what would happen on the phone. It wasn't really like, how are the kids? How's your wife? It wasn't any of that, really. Oh, it started, I'm it being honest. That way, but then it would be like, what, what movie did you see? You know, yeah. like, did you see Hot Fuzz? Yeah. You know, and then we just keep oh, going. Hot. Yeah. And that's all it was. And then we reconnected. But the two personalities that you are, you you know, it's a good, you have a very good combination. You have a good chemistry and your energy levels are a little different. So it's a nice balance, <laughs> you know, and you both bring such interesting things to the table on, on, on what you're doing now. You both grew up in Mass? No, uh, Rhode Island. Whereabouts? Uh, North Smithfield. Okay. Uh, down the street. Down the street. Yep. Okay. I lived in Cumberland for a while. Okay. Have you guys been back to North Smithfield? See how built up it is? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. The people I meet from Rhode Island, and I love Rhode Island. I think it's really a, a pretty place, but they are characters. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> they don't leave that state. No, there are, Joe, there are bumper stickers that say, I don't leave Rhode Island. Like people have them on their cars. No, I've seen it. That's funny. Like it's crazy pants. <laughs> they don't leave. They don't leave. It's crazy. Anyway. What's that one? There's a, an Italian section of Cranston. Oh my God. The food is. Knightsville. I got lost. Oh my God. Knightsville. Cafe. Cafe Eatry is in Knightsville. It's really, really good. The food is crazy. 
The food in Rhode Island is so good. Like Brooklyn, it, it is. sucks. It doesn't suck, but it doesn't. It's not Rhode Island. Rhode Island has the best food. You, you go anywhere. to the hill. Oh my god! Yeah. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Forget it was, it. it was a long time bakery just closed up on the hill because of COVID. Well, it, it, was, it was there for years. It wasn't uh, Caserta's because I got, just got pizza there. So okay, I, I, but, a couple of years ago, my birthday. Yeah, <clears throat> is that AW still in North Smithfield? Uh, that was Smithfield. AW, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Smithfield. The yeah, end? I don't know if it's still there, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, North North Smithfield is a separate town. A lot of people like didn't know that. A lot, a lot of people were, hey, how's life in Smithfield? I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't live there. Well, you know, like that's where Bryant College is and all that stuff. But that's not us. Burryville has just exploded with growth. It's a beautiful area. It's where the men are men and the sheep are scared, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Rhode Island, oh my God, you know, the accents. Oh, Jesus. I got a guy that he lives down the street and he's a, uh, he's a scientist. He's, he's got quite a job in Boston, a pharmaceutical company. And he had, a, he's from England and he had a family from Pawtucket adopt him when he came over here to do his PhD at Brown. And he said they got him so drunk, but they treated him like a king. And he goes, they still live in a triple decker, not that far from where the Paw Sox used to play. Mm-hmm. They never left. They never <laughs> left Rhode Island. Oh boy, wow. so, I miss I miss Benny's. We were talking about that on on Sunday. Smell <laughs> the bike tires when you walk in. I know. Where wow. am I supposed to get cheap tires too? I gotta oh, go. To, gotta, it was so good. I gotta go to Walmart. So, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Joe, for uh, joining us. And next week, we're going to have uh, Mike Adams, formerly of EEI. And uh, yep. he's going to be a hot uh, ticket. You'll have fun with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's, he also has a podcast, Planet Mikey. So that'll be a lot of fun. And, cool. uh, well, we thank you for listening. And uh, yep. please rate and review on Apple. Uh, that's, that's the one thing, I guess, that uh, they say makes you a little more noticed on Apple if you rate and review. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Excellent. We appreciate that and uh, have a great Thank week. You. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.